Thanks for tuning into Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe, and I'm so excited to share this episode with Evelyn Watts, the Director of Product Marketing at RVEZ and the former Head of Product Marketing at Shopify. Evelyn is a Swiss army knife of product marketing, and in this episode, we discuss creating a greater connection to the product, aligning the team to be on the same page, and creating a seamless experience for the customer. Women in Product Marketing is now available on Google Play, Apple, as well as Spotify and online at sharebird.com. Please subscribe and share this with someone you think will love it. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. And this podcast is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, How do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day. Learn more at clue.com slash Mary. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm here today with Evelyn Watts, who is most recently the head of e-commerce product marketing for Shopify. She is a Canadian based in Ottawa, Ontario, which is Canada's capital, for those of you that didn't know that, and has experience in product strategy, product training, sales engineering, field marketing, and luckily was eventually thrown into the product marketing world and has never looked back. She has a ton of experience managing wide portfolios of products and is a great speaker and writer to boot. So really recommend following her on LinkedIn and checking out her additional content. Thanks so much for joining us today, Evelyn. Well, thank you. What a great intro. (laughs) So excited to have you here. And just to kind of kick us off to let the listeners know a little bit more about you, what is something that you've learned lately? It may be 2020 talking, but after 20 years in tech, and so much Slack and screen time and video calls at the last while. I've really appreciated having that low tech or no tech creative outlet. So you can kind of unplug and use a different part of your brain. I did do that a little while ago. I, I ended up taking like a jewelry hobby and I was like, just turned it into a side gig. So I had something else to like work the other half of my brain. And also, you know, hammering metal and setting things on fire is very cathartic. So are you are you wearing any pieces right now? I am. I actually have to now because I don't want to say no. That's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I can I can attest. It's gorgeous. You'll have to uh, send us some links so we can share that out as well. When we <laughs> oh, will do. <laughs> that's awesome. And I think yeah, everyone can probably relate to the. I think the stat is eighty five percent of our lives are now spent online. So having something oh. that is not in the technology world for a moment that makes me really happy that you're doing that. So well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I know that you were most recently at Shopify and I'd love to hear about mm. that just to kind of kick us off and then talk about some of your additional experience as well. But let's let's start with Shopify. What's the latest with them and um, what were you doing for them? Well, it was fascinating, like total amazing experience to be like at a super high growth company that 
didn't really have product marketing at its origin, right? Before the great big success. So coming in and really having a place that wants to invest heavily in product marketing, sees the value in it. Like that is usually you have to like be the, the only one in and like fight your way to justify your existence. So that's super cool. What is really interesting is coming in where there's so much development and such big product groups. But to be honest, it's like anywhere else, right? When you come in as a product marketer, you got to do the core stuff. You got to build trust. You got to find your super friends across the business because it takes a village to make products get to market. And it's really like helping other folks who aren't that close to product understand it. So a lot of it is really one of the key things was building that kind of hinge function, like bringing product and marketing closer together. So it wasn't that classic, you know, throw it over the fence. We built it, send an email, which is very common. I think we've all experienced it a lot. And so it's that creating that context, right? So there's lots of things happening, but now how do you, when you're that big and you have that much to offer and there's things happening all the time, how do you create space for product teams to be able to talk about and us to be able to communicate the value of something without, you know, overwhelming the end user? right? Like you don't want to, this feature, this feature, this feature isn't as valuable as being able to say, well, this is what this new use case or whatever will allow you to do. Like what's the outcome for you? So that was really interesting because it creates this, I want to say a level of transparency and empathy across teams. Like who are you building this for? How do we communicate it so they get the value out of it? So a lot of the fundamentals that are true for really any company still apply no matter how big you are. And then the other thing too is really you have to dig at the plumbing, right? You have to figure out, okay, look under the rocks, figure out the foundations of things so that you can, as you're building a team, what are the skills or what are the different diverse experiences that you need to bring in to really build out product marketing, not only as a discipline, but to make sure that it's, again, that hinge function across all of these different teams to help things work together. So I love that big term. or small, it happens. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard it described as that, as that hinge function. You know, most people kind of talk about that Venn diagram and, you know, product marketing sitting in the epicenter of it, but it's really about, you kind of make or break your experience by connecting with product. I mean, they're really your core stakeholders in, in most scenarios. So I love that visualization of that hinge working together to open the door. Yeah. And <laughs> if it's a bit squeaky, well, then you need a little oil. You'll figure like, yeah, I think we can take this all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when, when you're at a company like Shopify, that is on such a rocket launch growth path, mm. how do you prioritize what you're working on? How do you say, you know, these are the things that are the most important. How do you relay that to your stakeholders and get everybody on the same page? Actually, I think you just said it. The idea of having the same page. So it's easy. And I think it starts really a lot of places start with that tech, you know, tactical creator product. We have to tell people about it and it becomes this functional thing where you just are doing activities, but teams don't always have the same visual or the same, what page are we on? They're doing the things that they do without the full context. So I'm going to go back to the idea of transparency. You can try and make sure everyone's aligned and all that stuff, but sometimes you're moving so fast, you can't, you can't see who's next to you. But if you all understand who you're building for, what's valuable, what is the, the outcome that's going to be, you kind of have this story that you know you're telling. So you can start making decisions that make the most sense. You know, there's always going to be something that happens and throws a roadmap off course. That's totally normal. It's okay. You have to be able to be flexible and, and move. But if everyone sees the same picture of who you're building for, what they need and what's valuable, their pains they have, 
it does actually create that kind of alignment without the formality of having something printed on the wall that everyone looks at. So I think the idea of audience, so it's not for everyone. Let's be very clear about who it is for and who it's not for. And then the other piece too is how do we bring our communication together? Because if it's very reactive or just overwhelming, people tune you out. Like you can send a thousand emails, but your unsubscribe rate is going to go through the roof. Let's make sure that we're telling them meaningful things at the right time. So a little of the, it's not to slow product down. You want to be able to move as fast as you possibly can. Absolutely. But the idea of helping people understand that product ready does not necessarily mean market ready or user ready. So it's that empathy of what are we really trying to achieve? Is it to say we checked the list and did the thing, or are we really trying to make a difference with what we're building? So a soft answer, but that same page idea, I think is really true. That's such a good context to have. And thinking about that same page and the same picture kind of metaphor there, tactically, do you have any advice for how to get there? Is it you meeting one-on-one with these leaders? Is it um, making sure that you have a strategy day or, you know, you're all aligning to company goals and aligning to the market challenges and the personas? Like, how do you get on that same page with all of these people that, you know, really kind of make or break the the viability of the the roadmap and the the Mm -hmm. business? (laughs) Yeah. I think the answer, the mileage will vary. I think in, in smaller companies, perhaps where people are more closely tied to smaller products, maybe you could have the personas on the wall, you could have whatever. It, those only get you so far because it's two-dimensional, literally two-dimensional. But I think a lot of the information is, is literally in the building and it's connecting the dots. So in the case of having UX researchers, a very good picture of who's using your product right now. Right. And so there's understanding of of who the users are, what they need. But then there's also the side of who is your next user? Who's the next person you have to go after? So there's a bit of a how do you help paint a picture that is both the the things that need to happen, you need to build, and then the things you need to build towards. So I don't know that a persona on a wall would work in that case, but you can create an understanding of someone's business. So this is who I am. These are my pains. Here's what I'm thinking about. I don't need to know that you have a cat. Don't need to know those kinds of things, (laughs) but I I need to know what's causing you pain and what are triggers for you not staying with the status quo anymore. And I think if you're not too prescriptive, but product and marketing can share a piece of like a core understanding of the audience it makes the decisions they need to make about what to build and and how to express it much, much easier. Thanks so much for that, for double clicking on that a bit more. It's been great to talk about Shopify and I love hearing about this huge company with a lot of momentum. Tell us a little bit more about Halogen Saba, uh, which you were the first product marketer at. How was that? Yes. So it's an HR, it was an HR uh, software SaaS company, first SaaS company I worked for. And they were very focused on verticals. So healthcare was a vertical, manufacturing was a vertical. So they had, I would say, product marketers, but focused on that particular slice. And so I came in as now responsible for the portfolio. Okay, well, how do, would we market this to a more general, wider audience that we could then tailor if we needed to? And what I, well, I, I always laugh because I got the job. I still didn't really know what they did. <laughs> because the way the product had grown over the years and the way it showed up on the website looked like 
nine products and all of this content and all of these services. And there were wheels showing how all these things kind of went together. But the challenge is that you leave your, <laughs> you leave other people to try and do the math. Okay, what, what do I need? How does it go together? I don't get it. I'm going to keep clicking, hopefully. And, and that's a shame because the, the disadvantage is that you don't really see the true value of how things come together, which is what I like to do. I like to kind of take apart the Lego and put it back together, maybe in a different way, but it's the same pieces. It's just, it, it looks different. People react to it differently. And so what was awesome about that is what, started as kind of a rebranding exercise to update you know, product names and, and that kind of thing. I was able to turn that into, well, what if we just shook it all out? Like, what if we looked at all the things we could offer and flipped it so that it was more solution oriented? How could we, how could all of these things come together? So product is not the only, it's not the only thing in the toolbox that can help solve your problem. Let's focus on your problem. And so what was great about that is we turned what was 25 different things that you had to explain individually into three, four, five things that were very user-centric. I have this problem. And then you had the things that you could offer, again, I'm going to say that word, in context. Oh, now they're all kind of relatable as opposed to you going through a feature list and then trying to figure out how you might use that or why you should care. Best part of that. And should anyone ever get the opportunity, it's going to like, it may kill you a little bit, like it may, but... To be able to unpack something and reframe it in a way that allows you to basically change how you market it. Entire website rebuild, it changes how you can now package things, how you might implement them, and how your sales team, instead of just selling the easy thing, might actually be able to start doing upsell, cross-sell a lot more easily because they have context and a story and clearly can communicate benefits, not just the features. And I think so many people take that for granted. When you look at a beautiful website and it's clearly articulated all the bundles and packages and aligned to your use cases or your needs, the product marketer has done that. So it's so cool that you were able to do that as the first product marketer for Saba that you were able to show them the light and not have the terrible user experience of having someone clicking through a million pages trying to understand, okay, what do you do? What is the painkiller here that you're trying yeah. to you know, give me that is, that is so undervalued and kind of clicking in on that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I know that this, this seems like one of your superpowers really. So the, the systems thinking, can you talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit more and maybe how you've done that with other companies or how, how you just think about that in general and your approach? Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes from kind of my origins back before product marketing. I started off in, in, tech in the kind of a coordinator role as part of engineering. So you kind of see how things go together and there's launch dates and you got to figure out how to do the things. And then it moved into being part of a product strategy team, like product management, junior, trying to figure out. So now you understand software development and the life cycle and some of the decisions that have to get made. So super awesome because now, and then I moved into actually doing more sales engineering. So really deeply understanding the product, but now how do you communicate it in a way that someone wants it and finds it valuable? And then from there, this is my wild ride. Also, I really like to know how things work. So, okay, now I figured that out. Okay. What's the next thing I got to figure out? And then moved into uh, a field marketing role. So now you're in the, in the field, literally you're at trade shows, you're a product ambassador, you're an evangelist. Now you're in the field and talking to people and getting real stories 
You don't know everything. I don't think F1 necessarily hits the help button anymore. But in the day, you'd figure out the product on the plane. You'd go out to a show and you'd figure out how to answer these questions. And then being able to take all of that back to a product team. Okay, so here's how we communicated it because that's how we marketed it. Here's what people are saying. How can I complete that circle so that the team is getting that information and they're not living in a, in a silo? And so I think that's what led to the, I need, I, I like to understand how it all comes together because if you just build it and they will come, although fabulous fantasy maybe sometimes happens if you're lucky, but will they stay? That's another question. So it's all very intentional and it, it is connected. It is not, product marketing is not the go-to-market team. Product is not just the thing that you build and you sling it over to the fence and say, make ads. Like all of this stuff is deeply, deeply connected and it takes a village to make a product successful. And so those people need have valuable input. They have deep understanding in their areas and how can you make sure that their, their insights and inputs can be heard so that you are making to the end user, what looks like a seamless experience, a great website, a great onboarding, all of those things just happen and there's no friction. That makes total sense. And I, I love how you have brought it all together in terms of not just the marketing side of it, but talking to customers in the field, bringing that circle back to making the product even better for the next rep. So it's not a static, hey, I released this, it's out in the world. Now, you know, clap. We did a great job. (laughs) It's sort of like, how does this evolve? And I think, I think people forget that, especially I've noticed, you know, newer product marketers, it's not just the launch moment. It's this entire circle of life, so to speak of your product market. (laughs) Now we'll pause for a quick word from our partners at Clue. Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketer's platform for handling all things competitive. Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement. Learn more at clue.com slash Mary. Welcome back. We are speaking with Evelyn Watts on the Women in Product Marketing podcast. You wrote a great article that I I think I emailed you and told (laughs) you that I laughed out loud when I was reading it, which only us product marketing nerds would do, but it's called why nobody gives an F about your feature and how to change this. And I think that helps to kind of solidify a lot about what you've been talking about today, you know, in terms of it's not just about this feature laundry list. It's not just about this message on a page. It's this whole package together. So I really love this. And I, and I recommend everyone check out this article because it was really just great. I also got to throw an F-bomb in, so which makes me just like giddy inside. So I know. <laughs> and there's a, the picture of a pug on it too in the article itself. So what could be better? So let's take you back. And I want to dig into this because I think this is a fun question. What was your first product launch like? Can you tell us about that? Oh, if only they knew how little (laughs) I knew. The executive team decided I was going to be in product marketing. Oh, wow. But no one told me. Oh, so (laughs) yeah, I had like a long history with this company and I'd gone up through the ranks. So I knew knew it inside and out. And so it was like, oh yeah, she's going to do the thing. I'm so, thank God. I had a great mentor at the time. 
show me the ropes. The marketing team was like a machine. So everything was running smoothly. I didn't walk into starting from scratch and having to like figure it out. It was just a great first opportunity, but (laughs) the very first launch, having never done it before, was a global product. It was a consumer photo editing product. It was in 16 languages. It had to be on the shelf at Walmart and Best Buy and everywhere else. It had to be online. And it was like a $20 million product line. And they gave it to this. I've never done it before. So that was my first launch. Yeah. I had a great team basically holding me up, but, but I brought the, I deeply understood the product and I deeply understood the market. And so all of that stuff, just, it was like magic. It came, it it married well together. And it hooked you. You've been in product marketing ever since then, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. I, I don't know if I could go back because otherwise you only get one piece of it. Whereas product marketing, which it's a pro and a con, it is the most connected role in a company. Like you do have to know all of the pieces and all of the people to, to make something happen. Well, that's, that's great. I love your answer to that. And did the, did the launch go well? Ultimately? It went well. Great. I got a All right. You played rock band. It was great. That's amazing. <laughs> but then, no like you said, like you said, <laughs> launch day is just a, like, it's just a moment in time. You actually have to grow the product after. So <laughs> you have to never have this champagne, but then keep mm-hmm. working. Yes. Get so, back to your desk. <laughs> now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about what it's like to be a woman in a predominantly male field. So in tech, how do you think that this has been different or harder for you over the years? And how have you overcome this? I don't know that I noticed when I was younger because I was busy doing all the things. I was in very like balanced teams. It was when I was now suddenly a product marketer and we had to go to our first like quarterly business review. And I was like, okay, I I'm no longer doing trade shows. So I got to trade in my branded shirts and the black pants that you wear all the time and buy a real suit. I'm going to get a black suit. I can look professional. I'm going to walk in and be confident. (laughs) And that's when I realized, Oh, I'm the only chick in the room. Oh, wow. All right. And as we went around the table, I was like, I'm sorry, nobody understands this product. I don't think you understand the market and I really don't think we need another pretty lady who can't hold a camera on the box of the software. So that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh dear, this is definitely, definitely not my room. So how can I help make it my room? And it was really bringing those insights and asking some challenging questions and just, there's a lot we don't know. So let's just put what we don't know on the table instead of just telling each other what we already know. That's so great. And that's, that's, I think, really good advice is, you know, come to the table with the things that you are confident with and make sure that that is heard. And even if you're in a room where you're very different than everyone else seated around Mm -hmm. you, make sure that you are able to have that voice and be able to share that and kind of tell them what's up, (laughs) which is what it sounds like you did. That's really great. Yeah, I have, I definitely have similar experiences going to dinners where I looked around and there were 19 other people there and they were all men. So it's funny yeah. <laughs> how, how kind of disarming that is and how many people won't have that experience in their lives. Yeah, so. I, I really, and maybe to my detriment perhaps, but I really lean into sense of humor. Like how can, how can you lower or lighten the mood or say things that would be uncomfortable otherwise. So maybe dial down the sarcasm on my part and like <laughs> level up the ridiculousness. But I, that just kind of takes some of the air. Like it, it lessens the, we're all here because we want to do a really great job. We're here because we care about what we do. 
let's find some common ground. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And now let's walk into some of our rapid fire questions. Mm. So who have been your strongest PMM mentors and how did you find them? Really look for people. There's a couple of things I look for people who've done the work. And by that, I mean, it may not come out quite the way I want it to, but people who've done different parts that are required, even if it's not in their job description. I love um, finding folks who have uh, a background that is not just marketing. They've done customer support. They've done sales. There, there's something else that they've done because they've gotten some dirt under their fingernails. They've had to figure out how to do the thing, not just follow a plan, right? And the other thing I really think about too is just be wary of latching on or trying to find mentors who have a title that you want. Because the titles, again, you know, mileage will vary. It's really look for someone that other people in other parts of the company respect and go to. Because those are the people who understand how to make those relationships, how to build trust, and how to also like connect. So it may not be exactly what you think you're looking for in terms of a mentor, but I, I think those are two things that have really helped me is, is people who, who deeply understand how the thing needs to get done and are also trusted and respected by people outside of their area as well. That's such great criteria. I don't think anyone else has brought that up on their answer. So thanks for sharing that. Looking for who others would go to and turn to for advice mm -hmm. and the connectors that are at the company, which is so similar to the product marketing role. That is, that's really invaluable. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing that has been the most important in growing your career? I think in my case, going back to having had done different roles within a company, I do like the idea, and I took my mother's advice, as you, you know, many of us should. She was a computer systems analyst decades ago. So she was always the only woman in the room, very challenging environments. And what she always said is, when you go into any role or, or any job, take what you get. You're a sponge. Learn as much as you possibly can. Do and give as much as you can, right? But don't be doing the same thing for more than two three years tops because not only do you get stale but you are you are growing so I always think of like what can I do next so I, I've given this advice to other young product marketers is you are building a story so what is the next chapter in your story and if it could be a big project it could be something else so in my case I like the idea of understanding a new industry a new business model just a new uh, product area a new different type of user like I find What's interesting is those things that you don't necessarily think connect or overlap sometimes do. So what happens in enterprise, there's some things about that that might be really applicable to a B2C company. So it's, it's not to get stuck in a silo, I think. It's to just expand and explore and just learn as much as you can about uh, a variety of things because somehow it will help you. That's such great advice too, because I think so many people are stuck on this three or five year plan. And it's really, Hey, what's the next chapter? What's the next exciting thing that can keep you learning and growing? And it doesn't have to be this grand plan. I mean, mm -hmm. and frankly, you know, jobs and technology, it's evolving so quickly that you might not even know what a role will be five years from now. It could be some kind of technology that we don't even know about yet. Like mobile, you know, came into the scene so quickly and all these mobile specific roles now that exist. So just the next chapter, the story of you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know this is one of your favorite topics and questions. How do you network? 
sarcasm. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Um, <laughs> what's so funny is that I, I spent so much in my career, like being out in the public and being public facing and speaking. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, networking. I really hope there's wine there because I'm <laughs> it, it is challenging. And I think, I, I think it's true of a, a lot of things is go to where you're also attracted to in, in the information that's being shared and maybe the relationships that are being fostered there. So I think networking where you think that there's a place for you also to give back is really helpful because it's always, always think of it as being reciprocal. One of the things I do struggle with in on LinkedIn is, are you trying to connect with me or are you trying to collect me? Because I feel very differently about that. Like I want to have a relationship with someone. I want to be able to like share and knowledge and, and kind of make that a back and forth. So it's always, I think, go to where you think you can also give back and you'll probably get what you need from it. That's so helpful. And any advice in the virtual world that we're in right now, since networking in a physical space is kind of obsolete for <laughs> the mid to long future, who knows? <laughs> yes. Yes. One thing I really liked, this was something Shopify did that I, I really appreciated. It was the idea of sidekicks. So it was that I um, a concept of having, it was kind of automated, but you would have these kind of random coffee connections. So once a week you would just book 15, 20 minutes and, and it could be someone completely outside of your field it could be someone um, that you actually work with, but don't get to, to see much anymore. So the randomness of it was nice because you don't get to bump in the hallway anymore, right? So there's there's something about finding a way to just to reach out and not make it this constant like routine, but get to know people on a, a more personal level. So any of those kinds of things, connecting without having an agenda. Do you know what I mean? Like that idea of just reaching out for the sake of it. How are you doing? here's what I've learned this week, or did you see that? And I think that brings back that kind of human connection, right? Not just it's about work. It's, it is about people at the end of the day. That's so great. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure that if you are going to meet someone new or even connect with someone that you have kind of a loose tie with, you have to have an agenda and a purpose and questions prepared. But I found that too, that often the most organic conversations, you can find some kind of shared hobby or shared interest or, you know, like-mindedness that's, you would never have found if you just kind of went through the rapid fire question list with them. So that's, that's great advice. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And why product marketing? Because I feel like it has the most opportunity to help connect people to why what they're doing matters. It sounds kind of like random and grandiose, but so many times that we're just, we're doing the, the thing that we're supposed to do in our job, but it, it has, a, it has a bigger purpose. So the idea of product marketing is that connector, that context builder, the person who's, who can also kind of shine a light on things. So product marketing for me is where you can take all of these, like things that you learn, not just your own experience, but all of the things, you know, other people know and connect them with other people. So there's that idea of uh, breaking down, I, I call it, it's not just working in silos or breaking down silos, but it's literally trimming the hedges because they grow back over and over. And so sometimes you have to go along with a hedge trimmer and be like, okay, wait, no, can you see the other people who are doing the things? Yeah. Okay. We need to talk. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to use that. <laughs> and I guess the final question uh, for our listeners, how do you think you got to where you are today? Not being afraid to just to dig in and figure it out. 
imposter syndrome is a real thing. Oh no, I don't know how to know to do it. Oh, just figure, you'll figure it out. Just jump in, do it. So hard work. You have to be insatiably curious because the first question most product marketers need to ask and ask constantly is why. <laughs> and that idea of empathy. So not just empathy for your customers of what they're trying to achieve, but I think empathy for the challenges and struggles product teams have to go through, support teams are dealing with. So there's so many people around you who are also trying to do the right thing. And I think understanding the, the challenges that they have, even within their own jobs, really help you kind of not just unblock them, but it creates, I think, a more co cohesive, just a nicer, better place to work as well. I totally agree. That's great. And so very, very last question. I lied in the last one. <laughs> Where <laughs> bonus um, round. Yes, bonus round. Where and how can people connect with you? What's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you and to connect with you, not collect you, as you said? Well, I would love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And especially if they mentioned that they saw this podcast, because now we have a common connection. We have a reason, something in common we can talk about. Absolutely. Ooh. You heard it here. Make sure to connect with Evelyn. And thanks so much. Really enjoyed this conversation, Evelyn. This was awesome. And yes, can't wait for the next episode. Thanks everyone. Stay tuned. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where. Clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards. In a pinch, sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal. And with Clue, it's not just sales teams who want battle cards. The product team, customer success, and marketing, they all compete too. Now, everyone can compete to win. For any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head on over to clue.com slash Mary. That's K-L-U-E.com slash Mary and tell them that I sent you. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone that you think will love it. My friend Stephanie Zoe joins us next week. She is the Director of Product Marketing at Figma and she will talk all about product launches. Thank you so much for all of your support and catch you next week.